0: The goal tonight is to simply lay what you might call a biblical foundation for what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. So tonight will be, I guess in some ways, kind of heavy on the think about this, what are the implications of this, what do you know from scripture that backs this up or refutes this or whatever. So when I... That, that, think along those lines, all right? So think that way tonight. Next week, I, my, my plan is to get into some of the nuts and bolts of budgeting and just general money management. And so I would certainly appreciate your insights. I don't come at this from some expert standpoint. I have a bachelor's degree in history, <laughs> not in finance. And so um, I can tell you some mistakes that were made in the past. But I can't tell you everything about money. So I would appreciate your participation. I really would. This is for all of us to try to learn together. As I told you on Sunday morning, hopefully by pairing Wednesday night with Sunday morning, for at least for this short period of time during the series that I'm, I'm preaching on giving, maybe we can come at this from a holistic perspective. We can learn together. We can get to the point where we, when I say make more out of our money, I don't mean have more money. I mean truly use it and live with it the way that God is. Designed it. Um, and so so that's that's the goal. The following week, uh, the 28th, two weeks from tonight, Harold Hurt will be here. And Harold, if you know anything about what he does with the Community Foundation, you know Harold's an attorney. But he's got, a, he's got a real heart for, for giving and things like that. And he's the president of the Murray Community Foundation, which does charitable giving. It does endowments, things like that. And so I've asked him if he would come to help us learn a little bit about some long-term stuff, estate planning, things that you may not want to think about or have ever crossed your radar but I think would be very important. And so, uh, so he's going to be here on the 28th to talk about that. And so <clears throat> kind of go from there. Fair enough? All right. Got some, some questions here to start things off or some things to discuss. Complete the sentence. Money is what? Necessary. Absolutely. It is necessary. What else?
1: The root of all
0: <laughs> oh, okay. yes, the love. Yes, uh, clarification there. Yes, the love of the love of money, uh, as the scripture clearly tells us, is the root of all kinds of evil. Isn't that something? Hmm. All right. What else? Money is what? It's very powerful. Yeah, for good and for for evil. Certainly. It's I yes. You know, especially you know in our in our country in the Western world, you know, in the first world, if you will, maybe not in the third world unless you are part of the ruling class. But what it is it's opportunity? Get you places, yeah. What else? Money is what. An idea, like it's not like we don't use the barter system anymore. We right. use this piece of paper that. Yeah, yeah, it does. We've 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 ascribed it value and use it as such, and and. To go back on that would be very difficult at this point. Next, impossible, I would think. Yeah. What else? Barter system. Barter system. Yeah, we would. Yeah, we. Well, see. All right. Huge. Farmers, maybe they can get away with that a little bit, huh? Yeah. All right.
1: My dad did that.
0: Yeah. When he was a farmer. Yeah. He it tried it in some wagon. some areas. I'm sure it still works. A wagon yeah. for some tobacco. There you go. Yeah. For- <laughs> all right. What else? Money is what. Calls for worry. Yeah, it's stressful sometimes. Can be very frustrating. It can be elusive. It's hard to get your hands around it. Never
1: enough.
0: Never enough. Well, you all have already preached the entire message. (laughs) Seems you've learned something tonight, so we can close in prayer and (laughs) slip out the back.
1: It'd also be comforting.
0: Absolutely.
1: Kind
0: On of the flip side, I mean. You know, I, we're <laughs> going to talk tonight about different views that you can have regarding money. And, you know, we, we sometimes we want to look at it. You know, we, we take what we think is the, the hardline Christian perspective, and that is to view money as something that, boy, it's the root of all kinds of evil, so we better view it as completely evil. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it, it, it you know, it, it certainly helps us to feel a little bit of security. It certainly can't.
1: Sometimes it can uh, bring a false sense of security.
0: Yeah, the flip side is true as well. False sense of security. No question. Anything else? What do you think? Money is what? Anything? All right, here's the next one. Lots of people hope money will what? Solve their problems. Solve their problems. <laughs> yeah, what else? Make them happy. And maybe by doing so solve their problems, right? Yeah, it all it all is connected there. What else? Win friends and influence people. Dale Carnegie, boy that guy. Yeah. What else? What do they hope that it will do? It will give you some sense of security, sure. Yeah. What else? And in some ways, absolutely it does. What else? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I was reading a book today, and the guy quoted several different either multi-million or multi-billionaires some of the things they said about their wealth (laughs) that it never brought them happiness and uh, in fact I believe it was Cornelius Vanderbilt the Commodore who made a comment that uh, the management of 200 million dollars is enough to kill a person (laughs) Yeah. what else What what do they hope that money will do for them. Yeah. Give them power. Yeah. Some kind of status. You know, it'll, it'll elevate you, I think, in some way. Make you make you appear to be better than what you are. Boy, that, and by doing, you know, it, it gives you some power. Money is power, they say. What else? I don't know lots of people. Some people hope money does
1: not affect them negatively. Sure. Change.
0: Yeah. 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 You know, it's a tough, it's chicken and egg kind of stuff to some degree because you know you you, you heard you hear it say you you hear it said that that money can boy it changes some people. I mean, they they get some money and you know, the boy they're they're different from what I knew them. That's not the person I knew. You know, back when they didn't have anything, let me tell you what they were like. And I guess to some degree that that's possible, you know. And the flip side of that is that that you know I've heard it said that money, success, fame, whatever th- those those kind of things they don't they don't change you. It. This bring out more of what was already there. <laughs> and and I think in, it could be either way. I think in some cases maybe it can change, but when they get a little bit of power, as Bruce mentioned, you know, the, well the taste of that can can change you a little bit. Or maybe it's simply bringing out some of those negative things that were already there. All right. Third thing. What's the worst purchase you've ever made? I'll tell you mine. When one of those salesmen calls me. Well, you know, I'll tell you mine. The worst purchase I ever made was when Nancy was out of town when we first got married. And I went to Circuit City. Remember Circuit City? Mm -hmm. This is before Best Buy. I went to Circuit City, and they were offering a deal to where if you signed up for three years of AOL, America Online, dial-up internet access. This was only 15 years ago. I mean, think about how far in technology at least we've come. They would give you like 250 bucks to spend in the store. So we needed a television. So I bought the biggest honking television that they had. I mean, this thing was this deep and this wide and weighed 500 pounds. You know? And, and I got it for 250. It was a deal. But then we got stuck with that stupid AOL for three years. We paid $23 a month for three years. That's what I paid for awful internet and a television that weighed 500 pounds. The worst purchase I ever made. It didn't sink us financially, but goodness, that was just dumb just really, really stupid. Anyway, what about you? The worst purchase that you're willing to admit that you've ever made? Car. How about that? A car? A car. Yeah. yeah. Go, maybe I, We've done that, too. We've purchased vehicles that we think, uh, maybe not the worst decision, but it sure wasn't a great one. What else? Anybody willing to admit one? I
1: think it's a revolving our sofa. They are not worth
0: it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, things. Okay, yeah. Sure, things that maybe services that you pay for. You know, it, it's interesting because we don't. You know, we pay for a lot of things in the service industry now that don't necessarily come with anything tangible, mm-hmm. but the data usage and the and the minutes or whatever. Yeah, that's a good point. What else? I'll pick on that. Oh boy! All right. We love boats, and so we can't
1: afford boats. But before we had kids, it would be notorious if he bought two. Just, you
0: know, one for you and one for him. <laughs> well, Look how generous he is. The first one
1: didn't have a motor that worked, so we would use the trolling
0: motor
1: to put around. <laughs> Trying to kind of load it and
0: unload it. That's good.
1: And then the second one he bought, we didn't have a truck to pull it with, so we had to wait <laughs> until we had the right person.
0: Wait for a flood
1: to even get the truck oh, down to the yeah. lake back <laughs> and more from the house to the lake.
0: We're sailing there. We found out she was pregnant. Yes, that's good. We had a boat. Two boats, one trolling motor. You can have them all three. We
1: get the same one low price. We had two boats right before we had kids, yeah.
0: and then got rid of them.
1: I'll never forget. I can't believe I'm going to own
0: up to this. uh
1: My grandmother, she at the time was 78 years old. She's like, I hear you've got a boat for sale. Just like you said, I found out I was pregnant. And was she ended up ordered. buying that boat. Yes. Yes.
0: So just, uh-huh.
1: uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Uh, we got rid of the boats too.
0: Yep. Well, those are, those are certainly notorious, I'm sure, for those involved. What else? Anything? Any other bad purchases you're willing to admit? Think about the... I want to hear from some of the older and wiser. Yeah. So let's all look back here at the older and wiser in the room. They're, not, they're unwilling to admit their purchases. Tell me, tell me wh- why is it that, that we make such bad purchases sometimes? Tonight's not about spending. Next week will be a little bit about that. But why is it you, you've, you've made these awful purchases in your life? Fun. Yeah, sometimes it's just fun. It's frivolous. Yeah.
1: Always wanted that kind of car. Okay,
0: yeah. Boy, I had, had my eye on that forever. I've always wanted a Corvette. Like you said, they make it sound better than what you Oh, did. isn't that the truth? Boy, that's the... the they made AOL sound really Yeah, better. they sure did. They threw in a television for me with AOL. Kid, it sounded great. Until I had to pick that thing up and use dial-up for three years. You know? Yeah. You know, we, I, I think, I guess we figure it's, you know, we can, or it's fun, or we, it's going to do something for us. They've overpromised, or we believe them, or whatever. We'll get into all of the specifics. I thought it'd be interesting to kind of start with that, because some of what we'll talk about tonight is, I guess if you want to call it philosophical, I don't think it's philosophical in, in that it's abstract and not applicable. But certainly there is a philosophy behind how we handle our money. So, here we go. Three potential approaches to money. Now, I don't have a lot of notes tonight on this stuff, so I'm hoping and expecting that you're going to contribute. There're going to be three things that I'll that I'll put up here and write them down if you like or look at them or whatever. The the first potential approach, not necessarily first in, in order necessarily, but but the first one we'll talk about is materialism. The idea that it's mine. Now when you think of materialism, how would you describe it? I I've summed it up in, in the words, it's mine. And I think that does sum it up to some degree that I'm it's mine, I'm gonna get what I can, I'm gonna use it for me, consume it, whatever. But materialism, what what how would you describe that if somebody were to say to you, you know, a person is just pretty materialistic, what would you what would you interpret that to mean? Hollywood. Hollywood. And by that you mean the whole life, flamboyance, and okay, all of that. All right, what else? What else is included in, in this idea of materialism? I think that yeah, things are more important than people or values or anything. Yeah, okay. The yeah,
1: I have to
0: have it. Mm-hmm. Got to get it. The differentiation, you know, no differentiation between want sure yeah yeah that's that's a good point what else black friday shopping oh boy <laughs> <laughs> or thursday or wednesday or whenever they start Summer now Monday, but... yeah yeah certainly the the the, the, the madness i mean it, you know and, and again if you're a black friday shopper then you know god bless you but you know, I, I mean, it is for some, it is just, boy, it's madness. You see people, they'll skip out on anything and everything with their families. And you know, I went to Walmart on, on Thanksgiving Day to to return a gift. We were exchanging gifts with my parents to return a gift for my mother that wasn't the right thing. And I was getting something, hoping they were open. And it was amazing. In the aisles, they had all the stuff wrapped up. And then the times on it, you know, this stuff will not be read a sale item on the register until 6 o'clock. And I just looked around, and there were several people in the store, and it was about one in the afternoon. I just wondered, how many of these people are just kind of moseying around until six? They're going to be here for five hours just waiting for them to tear off the cellophane. And you go, you know, it's amazing. What else? Materialism. You can think of it in terms of practicality or, or theologically what materialism is about or what, what, any of those arenas. What do you think? Keep it up. Yeah, it's a competition. Yeah. You know, we figure, I think, we don't even have to get ahead. We just need to keep up to win, whatever that means. Yeah. You know, you, you mentioned Hollywood, and I, and I think that points to the overall culture that so many times we we are taught, whether explicitly or implicitly, that money is the scoreboard in life, Period. And I read a study several years ago, and I would assume that it would it would still hold true. That revealed that even even people in church, and I mean regular attenders, folks who would claim faith in Jesus Christ, still admit that in our country, money by and large determines how much value a person seems to have. I mean, it, you know, inherent value. I'm not talking about the value of their bank account. But in that something, I mean, even and, and, and that doesn't necessarily mean that those folks believe that, but they admit that in our country, the Western world even, that, that still defines value. That, that whatever you have, that's what you're equal to. What are some problems with viewing money from a materialistic standpoint? What are and some of them are very obvious, so feel free to state the obvious. You don't have to be completely philosophical and unique. What, what are some of the problems? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Hmm. About okay the people that were fighting to to get to that level, though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the problems with materialism is it it stretches you further than you're actually able to go, which, of course, adds stress and causes major issues. Yeah. Good. What else?
1: Even some parents live beyond their means so that their child Mm. has everything that what they've had,
0: anything. Yeah. <laughs> they don't
1: know what
0: they have. Yeah, yeah. good point. You yeah, parents, maybe it's not necessarily for them, but it's for the appearance of what they can provide for their children or so that their children don't fall behind and whatever. Yeah. It's a, well, it's a constant temptation, though. You know, I mean, if you've got children that are coming of an age where those things are more prevalent, where the competition is real, and it is. There was it's a
1: hard. story about it. Well, my neighbor told me once when she was a little girl, her mother was very poor. And there was a girl at her school who said, you'll never be able to afford this, look at this, and was showing off mm-hmm. to her and said, you're so poor, you'll never have one of these. Yeah. She told her mother about it, and somehow her mother dug up money and got like four of those name brand sweaters. Maybe yeah. it was a polo or something with a little... little animal or whatever on it yeah. and she said she got me four wow because she, she i told i told my mom what that little girl said right. my mom and, it, yeah, went and yeah went and went and, and sacrificed you know, until
0: she got I, it. I think there's something to be said about the love of a parent who wants to rescue the child from potential ridicule and embarrassment and all that and so i i, I understand when that when that is the driving for look we're going to make sure that that our kids don't face that unnecessarily if it's within our power to do to do so i think on the flip side though it's it's also something that you have to be very careful as a parent not to subtly buy into that mentality by going and and doing you know and and spending life spending money crazy fashion just to keep up with those i think you know again to express love for a child there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Obviously, it's great, but I think we have to be careful in what we're communicating to our children by even doing those things that we believe are trying. We're trying to love them, trying to help them, trying to bail them out. And only, I think only you as a parent, you you as 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 folks raising children, if that's you right now, I think only by the guidance of the Holy Spirit can you figure that out. I mean, I can't tell you. I can't tell you what to go and do in that situation. Um, you know, I, I think you know that, that's dependent upon where the Holy Spirit is leading you, the relationship you got with the, with the child, and so on. What else? Problems with materialism. I'm very mindful of the time. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it it certainly is a stealer of many things. Time being one of them. Yeah. Certainly does. There's a a passage. Is my Bible back there? I've set it down somewhere. Here it is. Bear with me. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. If you know anything about Ecclesiastes, the theme is what it's like to chase the wind. To never catch it, but to always chase it. Ephesians chapter 5, verses... 10 to 15 The one who loves money is never satisfied with money. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This too is futile. When good things increase, the one who consumes the, the ones who consume them multiply. That means more people want it from you. What then is the profit to the owner except to gaze at them with his eyes? The sleep of the worker is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of the rich permits him no sleep. The more you have, the more you have to worry about. There is a sickening tragedy I've seen under the sun, wealth kept by its owner to his harm. That wealth was lost in a bad venture, so when he fathered a son, he was empty-handed. The more you have, the more you have to lose. As he came from his mother's womb, so he will go again, naked as he came, and he will take nothing for his efforts that he can carry in his hands. We strive so much to get all of this stuff, and yet it accomplishes nothing. gets us nothing. It increases our anxiety and our desire for more, and it attracts leeches that want to siphon it away from us. Randy Alcorn wrote a book called Money, Possessions, and Eternity. Now, I would highly recommend it. It's very good. It's a thick book. Um, covers a lot of different things. It covers practical things. It covers philosophical and, and theological foundations. It's called Money, Possessions, and Eternity. Randy Alcorn. He lists these, these problems with materialism. You don't have to try to write them all down. Uh, if you want, I can get you a copy of all this. But here's, here's what he says. It prevents or destroys our spiritual lives because it's idolatry. Uh, it blinds us to the curses potential curses that wealth can bring with it the problems that it brings it brings us often unhappiness and anxiety it doesn't it doesn't deliver what it's what it's promised ultimate futility i just read the scripture it it puts a veil on the best things in life which are often free think about it that old saying is pretty true the best things in life are free can't put a price on your family can you? He went snowboarding recently. You can't put a price on probably some of those memories. Just that fun experience. It costs you money to do it, but you know what? Can't can't put a price on it. It promotes independence and self-sufficiency, materialism. It can elevate your pride and give you an elitist mentality. It promotes injustice in a lot of cases. The disparity between the haves the haves. And the have nots. It fosters immorality and the deterioration of the family. You talk about the time that it takes to manage it, not only that, but the time that it takes to earn more of it. It distracts from our central purpose in life, which is to glorify God, not ourselves. And pretty, pretty interesting stuff. When you begin to think in materialism, obviously we know having having you know, just walking in the church, everybody's gonna say, Well, materialism's wrong, and I'm not materialistic. But when we begin to see the subtleties of materialism. The dependence on it, the lack of faith in God, the more trust we have in our stuff, the worry that we have, what if and what if and what if. When things become more important than people, just let one of your kids break something important to you. You'll find out how materialistic you are. Let's be honest. It also leads to a lot of debt and greed, stinginess, self-focus, stress, anxiety, no margin in life, and a lot of stolen joy. And yet so many of us, myself included, lean this way, don't we? Boy, it's so, it's so easy in our society. It just is. This is the way of the world in our, as far as we know it in society. Second way you can look at at money is something called asceticism. Now, there's something called aesthetics, which is the beauty and the, the look of things. That's not what this is. Asceticism is an old word, an old way of, of thinking among many who tried to escape the world and all of its evils and the apparent evil that came with any kind of material possession whatsoever, Uh, many of these people would deny themselves everything, viewing money as absolutely, in and of itself, evil. It is evil. Possessions are evil. So I'm going to divest myself of everything that I can. I read a story. We were joking at, at dinner. I read a story literally of a guy a monk who lived on top of a pole for several years, on top of a pole, and would only eat what was brought to him because he wanted to remove himself from anything material whatsoever. And that sounds crazy, but there are some people who would say, "Well, I don't want to be materialistic, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to view money as evil. There's something wrong. With it. I don't want to touch it. I don't. I'm just going to. I'm going to live with nothing." Maybe you've seen people like. That. I don't know. What are some problems? Whether practical or, as you know them, biblical, with this view that would say money is evil, I shouldn't want anything to do with it at all. I should shun it. I should avoid it. If I'm offered more of it, I should turn it down just because it's evil. What are some problems with that, <laughs> as far as you see them? And Jesus says, "Give to Caesar what is Caesar." Okay, and, and and for you that means. Uh, <laughs> use I guess use money for what it's supposed to be used okay. for. Okay. All right. Use it. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's not necessarily evil. Use it. Use it the right way, okay? All right, good. What else? This is a little tougher to think about. We, we we're not we're not accustomed to this kind of view. No, we're not we're not we're we're used to thinking okay, they have the love of money is evil, but boy that money sure is nice. I can't view it as evil. But throughout church history, there've been a lot of people who have done this. The monastic movement is is based upon this to, to a large degree. And now we you know, we in, in evangelical faith, particularly among Southern Baptists here, we we don't have a lot of monks living among us. We don't have it, but there is still that subtle Self denial. What does that mean? Does that mean I should have nothing at all? Do I enjoy nothing? I do nothing. What do you know? What are some problems? What do you think?
1: Well, in today's world, you probably—that's if that's really the way you felt. There wouldn't be a lot of interaction with others.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, you're going to remove yourself not only financially and materialistically, but,
1: but your relationally. Not, you're not going to be
0: as interactive. I, I mean, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Because you would be the. Yeah. yeah, you'd be fearful of it rubbing off on you, and you certainly okay. would be viewed as a little bit strange. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What else? I think if you have if you think that money is if money is given to you, God, God gives you money to people. Yep. Yep. That's a great point. Yeah, I, the constant negativity, constant heaviness with it, the guilt, can't receive a gift from anybody. You know, whatever. Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good point. What else? Legalism. Yeah, and, and explain what you mean on that. It points, it points to the fact that, like. Supposedly, the more the less you have would be the more, mm. more. hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, but th- look at what I don't have. Look at what I'm not attached to. Look how holy I am mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, I've well, seen that. And that's the sin of what? Pride. Uh,
1: right. <laughs> well, I was just sitting here thinking <clears throat> that it feels like from non-Christian, this is what Christians are supposed to be like. <clears throat> this is what all Christians should be. That money yep. is always. <clears throat>
0: You're a Christian. Yeah, yeah.
1: So it feels like I have to answer how to, you know, I have to be able to explain myself
0: appropriately. appropriately. Yeah, and that's a good answer. Why I do Yeah. No, it well, and I, I think in tandem with that, I, I think there's there's the subtle accusation that can be rendered against believers in Jesus that if you have any sort of material gain whatsoever. That you're that you're automatically materialistic. You know, if you're rich, if you make more money than somebody else, well, we, well, what, what could that money go to? It's kids starving in Africa for crying out loud! Won't you give it to them? To which I would say, well, that, that's fine. Let's do that together. Oh, I, you know, I don't have enough. Oh, okay. Who's who's more materialistic? You know, so it is. It's it, it. This this is a view that I think can be very subtle. That we feel, as you mentioned, Stephen, we feel guilty about it. For having something. We're accused of, of this or that. Yeah.
1: But I also think people well I'll just take for example. You know, I bought our pair of holster sweatpants. Mm-hmm. My sister probably jealous, materialist people mm. I'll ever meet as far as the way my child's dressed. Wow. But we have a own in our house it's on sale, it's not
0: bought. Okay. Yeah. So and she knows that okay. and
1: so but it constantly
0: have you you can appear based upon the name on the uh, exactly. of the brand. Yeah, okay.
1: You know, I think sure. that's for those. That's well, I, mean, I you know, yeah. I think yeah. I found but myself being defensive. It, it, exactly, it's yep. an automatic response to anything that Matt and I do. Well, we you know we found a really good deal. Yeah, we you know whatever yeah.
0: Just, you know feel like that's what's we well, that's hard absolutely.
1: I know exactly. That's a great point.
0: <laughs> it's a very. That's a I, I really went to good, Lowe's good last
1: night and they marked down a bunch of stuff. And when yeah. I when they rang it up, it was less than sixty five dollars, and it said you saved ninety five dollars. But that? somebody might come in my house and they go,
0: "Oh, where'd you get that?" Right. Yeah. And accusing start, you. Of, yeah. Absolutely. I sugar. felt like
1: I was being a good steward, but you yep. know, my sister, I, get, I and I'm worried when my sister comes in or my mother. We know you don't have money, money to pay your bills. Right. Why are you spending this? Yeah. You know. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then they like, start a, in. Very good. And start- yeah. Here's what here's in his and I, I'm going some on what Alcorn mentioned in summary. Now he, he just so you know he provides biblical backup in each in each one of these things. I'm not going to give you the scripture references or take the time to read it all because we're getting short on time. But here are some problems that he mentions with this particular view. It avoids the potential good that money can do. Money can do some good things. It's, it's neutral. It's how it's viewed and approached and used that, that gives it its good or evil qualities. It doesn't automatically help us avoid sin. You know, as as has been mentioned, it, it, just, just because I you know I'm not gonna have anything. No, well then then now we're leaning toward pride. Look at me. Scripture does not call the physical world evil. Our bodies are not evil in and how they've been made by God. We don't need to beat our bodies and, 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 and avoid any contact with the, with the material and physical world. God made the world. He's the God both of the physical and the spiritual world. They're not two separate things. He's, he's God over both. Not all conveniences and modern amenities are wrong. They're not. It would be kind of hard to heat your home uh, you, know, if you if you don't have the proper stuff. So, you know, he uses the example of Mother Teresa that would want nothing that was modern, but in order to take care of some people that she was trying to take care of, needed some modern amenities to be able to do that. There's nothing, nothing inherently evil with that. Poverty is not equal to piety. This can be an attempt to impress God and impress other people. Well, look, God, at how much I'm denying myself. It might lead to unfair condemnation of others. Well, you ought to be like me. Instead of, you ought to be like Jesus. (laughs) Ministry requires money. I mean, it does. And I'm not talking about paying my salary or paying the bills of the church. I'm just doing ministry requires money. And he makes the point. He said, what if every Christian did this, lived this way? He said, we'd have no money for missions, for anything. And he, he talks about that sometimes it's really good that we've got rich Christians. Praise God for rich Christians that can give towards stuff that maybe the rest of us can't give in as much volume. And he also says Jesus lived simply, but did not view things as inherently evil. He lived a simple life. He didn't have much. He said he didn't even have a place to lay his head, but he he didn't go go around imposing that on everybody else. Those are two unbiblical views. Materialism, asceticism. Opposite ends of the spectrum. Understand that Satan is, if you will, if you'll allow me this, the god of extremes. To call him a god, obviously, little g. He's the god of extremes. He would want you to live materialistically and view money as your idol and your god, or live ascetically and and view everything as evil and trying to earn God's favor by, by how much you've removed yourself. The biblical way is a word that you all probably have all heard. It's not going to be anything new or unique, and it's the idea of stewardship, which simply means it's God's. My question for you with some obvious answers what is what does the bible say about this idea how we should handle it view it approach it respond to it what does the bible say what have you been taught about the idea of stewardship fancy old school word but powerful in meaning
1: she was talking about buying things on sale okay and then I was talking about it
0: too okay so in that case using money we as wisely like as possible yeah we okay. felt like that yeah getting getting story. the best deal you can on something if you're going to buy it yeah absolutely i think that's very practical what else what, what's included in this idea of stewardship
1: make sure you pay your tent okay it's, yeah
0: you're it's gonna it's you're gonna god. you're gonna give to god well you know talk about render to caesar what is caesar's and unto god what is god's we're gonna
1: going to pay the tithe. And also need to help others. Yeah. Like okay. an offering. All right. Being a helpful
0: person to yeah, other sure. people. Who- okay. All right. Good. Good. What else? What, what's, what else is included that you think of? Stewardship. What's your role? What's God's role? It's the role of money. The role of stuff. Think about the roles that we all play or interact with. Yeah, it's a good point. Not wasting stuff. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure. Food and all that. Yeah.
1: Maybe inviting a friend for a dollar hamburger at McDonald's instead okay. of maybe you going out to somewhere fancy, okay. like maybe that Captain depends. D's or something. Sure, yeah, it depends. You yeah, just take your friend and their kids, maybe, and say yeah. we're going to go get a dollar burger. Okay. If you want to go with us? Or all something.
0: right. Yeah. Okay. What else? It's obvious, but in this model of stewardship that God has laid down for us in Scripture, who's the owner of the stuff? God God is. Who does He say, what role then does He say that we play? The role of what? The role of steward, which in other words could be what? A manager. You you understand, Maybe, maybe you work or have worked in some role of management that you get orders from on high and... You implement those orders and you make sure that those things are done. The role of the steward was not to create the commands, but simply to follow them. Not to create necessarily your own identity with the stuff, but simply to say, what's the owner said he wants done with the stuff? I better make sure to follow that completely. So the idea is that God is the owner and I'm his money manager. And and, and I say this. And it's almost obvious. I mean, we start talking about what's our role with money? Well, I'm a steward. But I, I, as we've talked about, I think we have, because we're human, a great tendency to lean toward materialism or maybe lean toward asceticism. And we've, we, we struggle with this idea because it's a balance. We struggle with this idea of stewardship. I think it's important to, to take us back. So our role is, is to determine what has the owner said that he wants done with his money, and then to do that completely to determine what he says and that, that you know we have the living word of god that will that will give us great principles and in sometimes in some cases very specific things that he's told us to do with his money but i think what you know when jesus says in matthew chapter 6 to store up treasures in heaven not treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, basically where it goes away, I think that really does sum up in so many ways why we should view it as God's stuff and not our stuff. The truth is you can either manage it or you can be owned by it. Those are really your only choices. You can manage it or you can be owned by it. And we think we own it. I'm going to do with it what I want. But all the things we've talked about with materialism, guess who's owned? It ain't your money. Not my money. It's you me.
1: Spend all your time fixing it.
0: Absolutely. If
1: you've got you a are a fancy you, car it, it, you just pay for the fix. It now
0: tells you what to do. Right. If you don't if you view it as your stuff, if you say, Well, I own this, this is mine. Well, that's fine. You've just sold yourself to whatever it is that you've claimed you now own. You can either manage it or be owned by it. And I really I, I really believe that. I don't think you have to I didn't think you have to be a church person to look and say, Well, that, that's probably true. You look at Ecclesiastes, that's just pretty practical help right there. Earthly currency, as Jesus put it, is worthless when this life is over. Now the story goes that when John D. Rockefeller, who was the richest man the world ever knew, when he died, somebody asked the, the lawyer, well, how much did he, how much money did he leave? The lawyer simply said, all of it. <laughs> Every bit of it. No matter how much, he left all of it. And the truth is, we're going to leave all of it. Now, I talked about it, joked about it a little bit Sunday morning. You know, my neighbor, Mr. Fenwick, who who used to laugh and tell me, you know, he just couldn't wait. He wished he could be around to see his kids have to go through all this junk in his garage when he dies, you know. <coughs> but we're going to leave it all behind. It's going to wind up in somebody's yard sale, and somebody is going to bargain <laughs> down from a quarter to a nickel on your stuff. A nickel. I'll give you a nickel. Look, just take it.
1: I always you wonder know? what the kids will do with all those little pictures I saved for kindergarten. There you go. Are they Are going to take them home? Ah, they they'll throw, throw darts
0: at That's box. right. Wise wise managers, this is some of the stuff that, that Alcorn mentions sort of in, in summary of some biblical things. They're accountable. I mean, I mean they, they understand that they don't make the rules. They're accountable to someone else. They're faithful with it. They're going to always try to do what's right. They're industrious. I mean, they're going to put it to work for good things. You know I mean? The story of, the, of, the, of the, the wise steward who, you know, the guys that, that put their money to work. They, you know, they were given talents, you know, and they put it to work. They're industrious. They're very wise. I mean, they look for the best way, as we mentioned, to spend it, to use it. They're ready for the master's return. Isn't that interesting? The parable of talents. He went off on a long journey, and he comes back. They were, but these guys were ready. He said, look what I've done. And the one who was who was condemned was the guy who who was just scared and didn't want to mess it up. There was something about being ready, it meant being industrious, using it wisely. They were reverent of the master. mean they 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 revered him. I mean, they they in some ways they, they feared, like fear of God, kind of fear. And they were they were single-minded. This is what I'm gonna be about, no matter what. Here's, here's what I want to challenge us with tonight. According to what Jesus said, you can't serve both God and money. can't do it. we try. And even as Christians, I, I, I don't want you to walk away feeling that, well, if I'm struggling with this, that you know, I need to feel guilt. No, this is a real issue. For, for some, it's more than others. You don't have to have money to be materialistic. You, know, you can be very, very poor and be materialistic. When money and stuff defines you, whatever. So tonight, maybe, maybe again, maybe for the first time, make a choice between masters and investments, and I mean masters of your life. Who's going to be in control? Is it going to be you and your stuff, or is it going to be God? And so, you know, I don't mean to put that harshly, I just, That's that's the choice. Jesus said you you you're either going to love one and hate the other, or obey one and dismiss the other. one. And then investments. He said, don't store up for yourselves what treasures on earth. Don't put all your focus here. Invest in things that will last for all eternity. You know what lasts for all eternity? People. That's it. People. This building. It's been here since, what, the 30s? Not going to last for all eternity. going to be replaced. New heaven and new earth are coming, but guess what? The people are still going to be there. Evangelistic work Matters for all eternity. Discipleship, missions, matters for all eternity. We would hope that the work of the church in each local church, ours included, that that work in and through the people lasts for all eternity. We hope that's what our focus is. Those are the investments Jesus is calling us to make. And I don't say that to tell you now, go give this amount and increase this. But sometimes aren't we easily falling prey to well my investments really are just for here just for the here and now so make a choice secondly confess the sin of worldly conformity I'm not accusing you but maybe maybe for some you say I'm just bought in I'm just I don't want to I don't know how to even get out of it it starts with confessing it's a sin Paul said in Romans twelve, "Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, in all of its sinful manifestations, in any of it. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So confess that sin, get cleansing from God, get His help. You're never going to dig out. You're never going to not be materialistic. You're never going to not lean toward one of those those extremes, unbiblical extremes, on your own. It's impossible. So confess it." Ask God to forgive you and say, hey, let's move forward. God, show me the way through. Maybe next week talking about budgeting and and so on. Maybe that will help make your way through. I don't know. And then thirdly, commit to learning what the owner wants done and to doing that completely. God, what is it? Lord, I I don't want to be like everybody else. God, I don't even know what that's going to mean. God, you show me. What do you want me to do with my stuff that you've given me? How is it that I should invest it in things that will last forever? And again, this is not asceticism that now I only spend money. Sorry, kids, we can't eat because we're given the missions again. Sold the car. Can't go anywhere for the next two years because we gave that to the church. I'm not talking about cynicism. (laughs) I'm not talking about trying to earn God's time. I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do? God, how can I manage it? How can I use this? How can I be as wise as possible? And that will include a lot of different things. We've mentioned so many practical things, such wisdom that we've talked about tonight. So I don't know which one of those, maybe none, maybe all three, are things that you just need to wrestle with a little bit. But this lays, I think, the biblical foundation. The idea is not materialism, not asceticism, but certainly is stewardship and what that looks like. And maybe it's a good reminder. Maybe it's, you know what, we've got to plant a stake in our lives tonight. My life as an individual, maybe you with your family Maybe as a husband and wife, whomever, you just say, look, from this point forward, we're going to approach this as managers of God's stuff, not as owners of our stuff. And for some, I tell you, you know how that is. That decision is powerful. And you just place a stake in the yard, so to speak. That that mile marker right there, that's where we committed to say, God, we're going to do it your way. And, and, and I believe God works through that. I really do. So... That, that's uh, that's all I got for you uh, tonight. Like I said, next week we'll start talking about just some of the nuts and bolts. So come prepared. Come, and I mean that. Come with your insights, with what's worked for you, with what hasn't, with maybe some. I'll try to provide you some templates and some you know some things like that we can kind of look at and compare. Maybe stuff you know w- whether it's a, a computer program that you've used or anything that that is helpful when it comes to budgeting and philosophy regarding that and so on. Please make sure to come ready for that anything in closing questions comments helpful things to throw in as we get done tonight
1: when i go to the store lately it helps to say a fool and his money are soon (laughs) parted over and over
0: again yeah be careful
1: (laughs) so that you'll
0: don't be a fool right absolutely (laughs) that's good you know you make the point of memorizing scripture and i think you know that's that's not just for assurance of salvation no, certainly it is. It's not just for winning a spiritual battle today. No, certainly it is. For going to the store. <laughs> it's practical stuff. It's really good. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here tonight. It's 730. We'll let you out of here. Go get your kids. I hope that, that you try to come back next week. I think the discussion will be good. If you've got some folks that you say, hey, you know, we got this going on in our church. Maybe it's a good time to invite us, but I don't know. Um, Maybe, maybe somebody in your family would benefit from, from hearing some of the principles. We're recording it. Maybe that will work. I don't know how we're going to disseminate that information, but, um, but maybe that will help. And I appreciate your discussions and all that. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's close in prayer, and, and we'll be dismissed from here. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your presence in our lives. We thank you for the wisdom from your word. We pray, Lord, that you would make us stewards. Help us to remember that. To not lean to either of the extremes, but to to do things your way, and God, we we pray that you would give us confidence in that. We pray that we not we not be looking for earthly rewards with that, but Lord, we we would truly store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. Help us to be those kinds of people, Lord. Help us to drive those stakes in our lives tonight. That from this point forward, that we will think differently about all of this, uh, Lord. We pray for. Uh, for children, our youth that are over there as they're wrapping things up, God, we pray that you capture their hearts, and that you would show them and shower them with your love. Uh, let them know your grace and uh, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for letting us be here. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.